0: Um it's just that nice community of people hum, who just let you be yourself and whoever that is as long as you're not hurting anybody you know what I'm saying as long as you're not hurting anybody or hurting yourself then babes live your best life cuz I'm here for you you know um and so that's what that's what makes it so beautiful and I've never met a, I've never met so many people in such a large group that have this type of that made me feel, that made, that makes me feel this way. And so to come here and to experience that, it's, it just, it gives the world a better outlook. You know, it makes the world feel a little bit more, I don't know how to put, it makes the world feel a little bit more closer
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on no the problem. Black Women Travel Podcast. Yes. Can you please share your name where you're from, your um business name, and your current location.
0: Okay. Um well my name is uh Brittany Plummer. I'm originally from Indiana. Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, lived in New York a little bit before I left abroad. Um, <clears throat> I was currently involved in a business called Duchess Incorporated here in Vietnam. It's an event planning business. Um, I've let I've relinquished my power and gave it all to my best friend because I have future endeavors that I'm moving on to, but that was my business name. Um, and I am currently based in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. I've been here for almost two years now.
1: And on Halloween will be two years. Yes, okay. So, like, Brittany, (laughs) talk to us. Like, give us the tea. So, what happened? So, Brittany was in the Midwest, Indianapolis, Indiana. And she was like, this is not for me. This is not what I want my life to be about. So, So, walk us through it. Like, what happened?
0: Um, well, my father's originally from Jamaica, so it kind of started there. My dad, my mom and my dad used to pack us up. My mom was a little bit of a traveler as well, but not as much as my dad. And so when we were really young, my mom and dad would pack us up into our our red minivan and we would just drive across the United States to different cities and see different family members. And my mom popped the Al Green tape, probably why I have a small obsession with Al Green right now, but, um, um, popping the Al Green uh, cassette tape into the radio, and we would just drive for miles and miles. And um, and I remember having that feeling of like just peace, seeing like forever ending land of grass green. Sometimes I see buildings. Sometimes I did it. It's just being in new places and having those new experiences is where it sparked the lights. The light sparked within me to travel. I didn't know it had because I wasn't as self aware as I am now. But it definitely did then. And it didn't reoccur. Until I was in university, my freshman year, after my freshman year in the summer. And I don't know what happened. I was just like, "Mm, I think I want to travel. For whatever reason, something was just like, you want to travel? I was like, sure, why not? Um, And so I was looking to a (laughs) summer program. (laughs) I was looking into summer programs. And um, there was one in England for a month. Um, to do a fashion course and a film course, and I was like, oh, that sounds great!" I was like, "But, baby broke, baby ain't got no money. <laughs> I don't know where this money gonna come from." Um, mm-hmm. So I went over to the study abroad office um, and 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 talked to the ambassador. Her name was Janice Halpern, which forever will be one of those people in my book of like great greatest humans I've ever met in my life. She's definitely one of those people. Super sweet, super nice, super resourceful, um, and yeah, I talked to her, and she was like, yeah, I have this scholarship, I have this money, I can help you with it, don't worry about the money, it's not a problem. So I was like, yes, so I signed up for it, I and, you know, at the time, I'm signing up for it, I get, I get you know, um, accepted into it, everything's great, that's bomb, boom, boom, and then it comes time for me to actually go, and I'm just like... Whoa, that that happened really fast, and I'm I'm scared, and I'm freaking out, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and my school, as is the schools in the United States, financial aid just decides not to kick in until you know a week or two after I'm already there. Thanks, thanks, school, thanks for looking out, you know. And at the and, like I said, I don't come from a, a family with money, you know. So my mother gave me the little bit that she had, but that wouldn't last much, anyways. Especially since the pound is a 50% a little bit more than this than the dollar anyways at the time and so I'm sitting in there and I'm worried and I'm like I can't go I'm not gonna go I just told myself I told my mom and my sister I'm like I'm not gonna go this is it and I I called my dad and I told my dad and he's he's always the one it's just like stop doing that you're gonna go you need to go Blah, blah 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 Whatever. And he's just giving me so much more anxiety. So I was like, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> I, I talked to, <laughs> talk to my I'm talking to my mom and I'm like, Mom, I'm not gonna go. And of course my mom's like, I understand, babes. Cause she's like, I can't get in a car and hop into hop over in a car to drive to see you. That's a whole whole day's day's plane ride away type of feeling and so she's like I understand I get it blah 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 and so the ambassador of the program that was already in England called me well I called her or some something of the sort and I was like my financial aid hasn't came in I'm not gonna go I have no money blah, blah blah and she literally was like if money is the reason that you decide to not go on this trip then maybe you shouldn't go she was ooh, like don't ooh. let money hold you back from to have for having an experience that costs more than money could ever give you. And I was like okay. She was like get on this plane. You have plenty of supporters here. All you got to do is ask. And we're here to support you. She was like hop on that plane and I'll see you when you get here. And she hung up the phone. And I looked at my mom and I'm like mom, I'm going to go. And my mom just she I can see it she died <laughs> inside. She's happy for me. Obviously, she's my mom. <laughs> But she's like, she's like, I just died a little bit because my child just said she she is gonna go. I thought I had her. Uh-huh. Shout out to my mom, love you, mom. But um, yeah, she's just like, oh damn, i to me because, but damn, like oh, she's, God, she's gonna go. Um, so yeah, packed my things were already packed. So I got on, went to the airport, got to the airport. There's a group of people that's already going and. I hopped on that plane and I have not been the same since. <laughs> I have not been the same since. Um it was what I was truly meant to do. And I'm so glad that I ha- I don't even know the remember the woman's name, but I'm so glad she was that 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 voice of hope on the other side of that phone telling me this is what you need to do because it it all comes full circle for me years later, um, that happening and it just being a being something that's just changed my whole world and changed my whole life so
1: far. So what a story and what a storyteller. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I try wow. So like um side wait, sidebar? Yeah. One minute. Uh are you close to your internet router thing? Yes, i am okay okay um hair so you had so much support
0: yeah, i did i did I had a lot of su- I had yeah i had quite a quite a quite a bunch of support, which was in my mind I'm just like. You know, when you go through these experiences, you're in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm in this alone. But there's so many people there holding your hand like, babes, you got this. Just baby steps. You got it. I'm here for you, you know. But in that time, I'm in my head and I'm just like, I'm in this alone. Like, what am I going to do? I'm just freaking myself out as I do in situations. But it all turned out to be great. It all turned out to be wonderful.
1: What what was it that that trip to England gave you? How long did you spend there, and what what happened there that made you radically change? You said that you you've just never been the same since.
0: Um, I was only there for a month, but it wasn't the change. The change didn't happen until I got until I was back on American soil, back in Indiana. That my it felt like flowers were blooming in my brain. It felt like like something within my brain was it was already there but it wasn't it hadn't started to grow yet right it felt like it was a seed that was there that i didn't know was there and then it felt like me traveling was the water and then me coming back was just like this flower that bloomed and it was just like babes the world is so much bigger than you know and you need to see all of it (laughs) so i um it just it was this it was so interesting because we were, I remember the moment, like it was yesterday, I was sitting in the car and my mom got me my, like, I was like, mom, when I get back home, I want Hot Cheetos because I'm such a chip fan. But I'm like, <laughs> mom, I want Hot Cheetos. So I get in the car and of course she's so happy to see me. She's like, here's your Hot Cheetos. And I'm like, yes. And I'm sitting in the back seat, I'm eating my Hot Cheetos and I'm looking outside at this guy and I'm looking at my surroundings and it was just like, like something went off in my mind and it was just like, I got to go again. I need to keep doing this, I gotta keep going. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I gotta keep traveling, I gotta keep going, right? So, um, yeah, it was, I, I can't really put it into words, it's more of a feeling, it was just this feeling of of, ex, uh, of of excitement and peace and hopefulness of this whole new world that I have yet to explore and this, all these new experiences that I have yet to experience, and, and then, yeah, I just haven't stopped then, <laughs> really.
1: So, what year was that that you did that month in England?
0: Uh, 2012.
1: So, it was 2012. And then Mm -hmm. the next time you left was after you graduated, I suppose, right?
0: No, I left again. I studied abroad twice. Um, I went the spring of my junior year. Yeah, it was the spring of my junior year. I went to Italy for a semester because I was doing fashion. My degree is in fashion. And I went to Italy to study fashion there. And it was such... A great experience um the culture, the food, the people, the architecture, the history beautiful it, the country's beautiful. I loved being there. It was the best four four months of my life, one of the four months of the best four months of my life um just so much to experience, so much to soak up, not only that, but being doing fashion in that country and being amongst the art and amongst other artists and just being exposed to that was just something so beautiful and so enriching for me, because um, I'm such an admirer of art. You know, even when my, as is my degree, is in fashion, which is art within itself. But not only that, you know, whether it's um, theater, you know, musical art, or, or, art painting, or sculpting, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just an admirer of all things that are art. Really, and having that experience in Italy was beautiful. um I came back I graduated um twenty fifteen so I did that in twenty fourteen yeah, I graduated twenty fifteen then I left I, I knew as soon as I, I I was a child for whatever reason, I never said it, but it always felt it as soon as I came out of my mother's womb, I was just gonna be like new York like as soon as like I've always felt that way, but it didn't. Hit me until years later when I started to you know figure out who I am as a human, and it was New York. It was always I was always being pulled to New York. So about a month or two after I graduated university, I moved to New York. Um, my family, um, I have some family out there, um, and so I stayed with them. And I did some odd and ends. I worked like three or four jobs out there. I was living with them and I had a car and I was working three or four jobs. I was really they were helping me, obviously they were supporting me and they were telling me to do or don'ts, but I'm one of those people that just gotta butt my own head. And so I'm out here doing all these other jobs. I was nannying, I was working in fa- a little bit in fashion. Um and I just got tired. I felt like <laughs> Yes <laughs> I was there for I was there for a year and I was just I got tired. And so I was like, I don't think this is what my life is supposed to be like. Um, I don't think I'm supposed to be working from paycheck to paycheck. I don't feel like I should be stressed out and going to work and going to, coming home and going to sleep. And that just being my daily routine. I don't I don't think that's for me, you know. And maybe it is for some people. And that's, and that's bomb. That's dope. If you're happy, I'm happy. But for me, that wasn't making me happy, right? So I just, I was thinking of how can I, my, my thing was not how can I leave the state or How can I do something different? Mine was just like, I need to travel. I need to get out of here. I need to go somewhere else and be in a whole nother culture experiencing different things. Um, And so previously, before I left university, I was looking at some some things, traveling outside of university, but nothing stuck except for, someone told me briefly about teaching abroad. And so I was like, okay. Um, That was always something that was there. And then I did a little bit more research when I wanted to leave New York. So um, I went to Korea. And I taught abroad in Korea for a year, and that was a beautiful experience. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of Korean culture, and not so much of the culture. I shouldn't say that. Not so much of the culture, but of the the way that the country is. You know, um, with the appropriation. Yeah, politically. There we go. Politically. But the experience that I had there for that year was beautiful because um, I learned how to love myself. And that would be one of my biggest lessons, um, traveling and everything. Traveling as a whole has made me a more well-rounded person. And within that well-roundedness, I've learned so much more about myself. But Korea taught me how to love myself and how to, you know, be comfortable within my own skin and how to let things roll off my back and not to take things so serious, you know? Um, and so, you know, it was it was just it was a beautiful experience. I had so much self-growth and it, it literally was the the catalyst of the change that I'm currently going through for the rest of my life, basically. I mean change never <laughs> stops happening. <laughs> Let's be real. Um but, yeah, it basically was the catalyst of the never-ending steps of me becoming a self-aware, emotionally intelligent human being, you know? Um, and so, yeah, and then I was there for a year, and I was done with Korea. Once that year was up, I was like, yeah, this, I'm, I'm done here. Um, I went home for two months and to see my family, which, would, in my opinion, was far too long. For two months. I love my family to death, but I was, in, I, was in, I was in Indiana, I was in New York, and I went to Arizona because my father lives in Arizona, and I was there for two months, and I was just like, I am about to die if I like get out of this country. <laughs> <laughs> it was time for me to go. Um, learning experience. Again, it's a learning experience. I know next time, I probably won't go back for two months, maybe a month. I love you, Fan Bam, but I, uh, two months is just too long for me to be in that country. Um, so yeah, so went home for two months, and, and like I spoke about earlier, I had this moment where where it was all coming full circle, so one of my friends in Korea was telling me, you need to read this book, it's called The Alchemist by Paul Coelho, and it's a really good book, um, I recommend anybody to read it, and so I read it, and I finished it when I was at home, and it's all, it's just about finding your destiny, and what you're supposed to be doing in life, and basically there was this part in the book where she, this this guy, he was uh, talking to an alchemist, the alchemist, and he was just saying, like, basically, you'll know you'll, you're gonna have two, t- you're gonna have a decision, a very hard decision to make in your life, and one route is gonna be the easy route, and one route is gonna be the difficult route, and that's where you're gonna choose what destiny, you, you know, what what destiny you you choose to take in your life, and I was like, you know, I I want that decision to happen, like I'm, like, you know, for me, I've always been a person like. If there's gonna be if there's gonna be some hints, make sure it's in my face. I don't want any, you know, <laughs> light, dandy That'll little be. things. Cause I'm yeah. that person that if you you put a small hit in front of my face, I see a butterfly, I'm like, Oh, there's a butterfly over there. No, no, no. I need like heavy hitter in my face. And it was so funny because I I was saying this to myself, like, oh, I want that, that, you know, that choice. And it hit me, and that choice was when I decided to go to London. Um the choice that i made of whether i stayed in the states or if i went to london that pathway those two roads that is when i made that choice of my destiny was my traveling and going to london because i have yet to go back to actually live in the states for about almost three years now um so yeah um but then i went after i left korea I came back, went home, and I came left from home, and I ended up in Vietnam with one of my friends that I met in Korea. Um, and she didn't, we stayed, we were here for six months and hated it here in Vietnam. Um, it was just, It was. we were comparing it to Korea, basically. I mean, let's be real. It was comparing it to, v- to Korea, wasn't giving it much of a chance to actually be Vietnam and not Korea. Um, and so we were going to start the process of going back to Korea. Was even thinking about going to China and... Whew, I'm so glad I didn't make that decision because China's not for me and it never will be for me. <laughs> and I would have went there and been highly upset that I made that decision. Um, but yeah, so she left after the six months, but I stayed and I was like, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to actually put my foot down and put in the work to make this country work. Now, if it, after that, I don't like it, then I can leave. There are plenty of other countries in this world to see, but if I do, then I'll stay a little bit longer. And six months have become two years um, on Halloween. So, yeah. And I love Vietnam. I love Ho Chi Minh. I love the people that I'm surrounded by in this country. Um, I love the people that I've met. I have loved the experiences that I've had because I've also grown in a completely different way being here in this country as well.
1: Girl, you just love yourself. I do. I do. I love myself a lot. (laughs) But what I mean by that is like, I think it starts there. If you love yourself then you could find pretty much what you're looking for almost almost anywhere you are, right?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I
1: think I think some environments are more conducive to who we are as individual people, but mm. Yeah.
0: You I mean you can make any place what you want it to be, you know. It's all about That's what I mean. You know, Some, awesome.
1: sometimes, sometimes, yes, sometimes. yes, it is about perception. Sometimes the, there are more raw materials there for you to work with.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and, and Vietnam just happened to be this blank slate type of country where you can come in and you're free because in Korea you are attached to a contract, attached to a school and they basically you know, they basically find your apartment sometimes. Sometimes you're able to find your own apartment, but in my case, um, they found my apartment and health insurance and everything, and and I was with a specific school, so if the school decided to not treat me well, I was stuck in that contract for a year unless I just left the country. Versus here in Vietnam, I get off the plane, I can go, it's like like me being in the States, but there's so much more freedom, and it's a different culture, and it's a new experience with different types of people. Um, So I land here, and I I go look for a job. I go look for an apartment. I make my way here, you know? And it was a challenge within itself. But it was beautiful because at the end of the day, when I found what I wanted to find, I, like, I'm looking up triumphant like, ah, I did that. I got there. I'm proud of myself. And it was just a new new high for me just because I felt like I was dropped here because I'm one of those people that will go to... Ever since that lady on that phone in London told me, don't worry about the money. Literally, baby girl has not been worried about the money because I'm coming to these countries with $100 in my pocket and somehow, some way, making it, making this country my own and, you know, getting to where I'm stable, super stable, and, you know, living the life that I've always wanted to live, living my best life, sis. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I do. I, I did it in most – when I went to Italy, again, financial aid wasn't there. For at least two weeks, I my mom gave me a hundred bucks. I went there and made it work for two weeks. Well, when I went to Korea, didn't get paid for a month later, had two hundred bucks, I think, and I'll be I'm trying to save. you know, I'll be trying to save you know it's a, it's a, <laughs> it does, but ah, it's something I gotta work on. that's something I have to work on, right? Um, <laughs> and so uh, I get to Vietnam again. I had, it's the thing. I left Korea with money. I had a nice little chunk of money saved up. And then I took my butt to the States, got to the <laughs> States and spent up all my money. And then got here with $200 in my pocket. Again, I don't know why it's see the 100 or 200. It never goes up higher than that, you know? Um, and like, yeah, I'm fine now, you know, got my own apartment and everything by working a great job and everything. So
1: yeah, but it's lovely. <laughs> 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 so let's talk about a couple things. So you talked about appropriation in Korea. What do you mean by that?
0: Um whew. so when I was in Korea, um, you know, they have their K pop and they have their um they have their media. And one thing that always so to base it off, I'm teaching their children. And so anytime you're in Korea, now Korea is, is quite developed technologically wise and everything like that. It's quite, it's quite technologically advanced in more ways, in some, more, in more, some in more ways than the United States, I have to say. Um, but we're there and I'm teaching their kids and I'm walking down the street and, and everybody thinks that I am African which is not an issue, but instead of assuming we should ask questions, because you would not like me to assume that you're from another country that you're not from, Chinese or Japanese, you know, easily offended, you know, Um, and even the children, and they have access to internet, right? They have access to the internet. They know that black people are all over this planet, and they don't just come from one place, you know, Um, but they just choose to they just I don't know why they it seems like they live in a bubble out there, so to go from that and then you know to see their media and their k pop where they're bringing you know their k pop and and performing and things like that they it's all nineties type of feel like nineties hip hop rap type of feel you know and, and instead of them paying homage instead of them going you know this is my reference this is where I got this from this is my inspiration my motivation blah 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 it's not that at all it's all mine I came up with this I did this and the whole thing about Korea that bothered my core on a consistent basis was that they loved my culture and they loved where I came from but they did not love me as a human being and that's yep. what
1: bothered me and that's what yeah
0: got got to me while living there you know was that you, you know you love you love the clothes the style and the design of the things that come out of my struggle or my culture and you love you know the things that we have to say or you love you know.
1: The The swaggerisms,
0: the swag, the mannerisms—you know what I'm saying? But you don't love me, the skin that I am, the human, the person that I am. You don't love me, but you love what I what I produce, and that's not okay. And that's what makes me angry about living in that country and being over there. Um. So yeah, that was a big thing, Um, and it really was like it was kind of like a ton of bricks in a way being there and seeing that and I was just like this is insane cuz they I, they live in a little bubble out there like the country is the country's beautiful I will say and um I've met some wonderful people out there as well um some really close friends but that whole little system over there is just kind of like just got me warped cuz I'm just like I don't I, I don't get it I don't get it
1: it's like a factory of mass production like it is. I think that uh, I want to say this and not sound away, but I believe that a lot of Asians have been very good at reproducing, not just in the sense of everything is made in China, but in the sense of culture, they see yeah. what works and they're able to reproduce that like flawlessly. Yeah. And, then, and my thing I, it, is, doesn't ha- it doesn't have the real soul, but if yeah. you look, if you look at the sound if you look at the yeah at at the product it will it is like it's it's an imitation
0: yeah and what blows my mind about it all is that like the history of asia you know is so beautiful they have such a they're so culturally rich you know like they have so many great components you know from all kinds of things And and so for them to, for for it to be this thing now where things are being reproduced instead of them, instead of there being an original, it's just, it's kind of interesting. And it's kind of a little bit like, I don't feel like they need to. I feel like they come from such a culturally rich background that there's, if they were to, you know, to be an original of whatever, to have an original of something that they You know, to have an original of their own, it will probably do just as well.
1: I feel you. Yes, that, all of that. (laughs) (laughs) And talk to me about when you got to Vietnam. So as a black woman, so it didn't seem like it was a struggle so much to find a, a job teaching English as a black woman in Korea. But that story changed in Vietnam, correct?
0: Yeah, well, in Korea, you, you can do everything from stateside. So you can be in the States and, you know, do your Skype interview on, on online and and all of that. So you, all of, in, in Asia, I will say, first things first, in Asia, the um, resumes, they have pictures on them, which is not a thing in the States. I don't think it's a thing in England or anything like their Western culture. But over in Asia, there's pictures on there because they want to know what you look like, which is completely... That Something else that blows my mind, but whatever. I'm living in their country. This is their culture. I will acclimate myself. Um, So yes, but in Korea, you do everything um, abroad, back in stateside, and then send everything to Korea, and that's how that process begins. In Vietnam, you can do that in Vietnam, but it's not very common. Most people just come here um get on the ground hit the ground running with trying to find a job and everything and it was a little bit difficult here because Vietnam is not as developed as Korea is um and so i feel like i don't i hate to say this but in my experience personally my difference in in the way that people treated me was much more in Korea was it was a little bit of a maliciousness i felt um when i was treated the way that I was treated in Korea. Um, Not so much from the younger generations, it's much more from the older generations. Um, Always the the, the gawk, the the, ah, like scream, like they're shocked that they've seen me uh, and things like that, which is, I I understand it because maybe you've never seen a black person before and that's fine, but there has been times where I've gotten some malicious type of behavior from people Um, Versus in Vietnam, it's much more of a curiosity thing than a maliciousness. It's much more of like, I've never seen you before, but I do, I would like to know of you or who you are, where you come from um, type of feel. Um, And yes, in both countries, you get the staring, touching, touching my hair. It all gets annoying at some point, but I have learned um, touching my hair, like touching me will always be a thing that's like, no that's not okay. Please don't do that. It's disrespectful because you wouldn't like it done to you. But as far as the staring and the looks and things like that, I've learned to, to look within myself and figure out, you know, people have eyes to look, right? And yes, in my culture, staring too, staring too long is a sign of disrespect of some sort, of some sort. Um, but i'm not in my culture i'm in someone else's culture right and so they are curious and and they're they're open to learning so i've learned that it's in asia because the staring still happens i've just learned to be comfortable within myself and to learn how to control my own emotions because they're not the reason that i'm upset that they're staring i am the reason that I am upset that I'm staring, therefore, I need to figure out why that makes me upset. Yes, it's a cultural thing because I come from a different background, but also why 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 should they why why should that bother you? You are in their country, and they're curious about you. why not be accepting of that and why not take on why not take on that energy and be, let it be something that's positive instead of negative um so I've learned how to. You know be a better human because of that because when i first got here and you know you walk on the tourist roads and they're just like staring like oh my goodness like and vietnamese people will point and laugh and that's like that's like a big thing where it's just like did they just did she just uh no she you know uh, and things like that but being here I've learned to be comfortable within myself to be okay with it and just receiving that energy as something positive instead of being something negative you know I just why I'm why am I gonna let something like that bother me there are so many other things to worry about in this world and I'm gonna let something like that bother me I just it's it, it's I'm better than that it's better I'm better than that so
1: so you took it to another level though like it's not only it seems like you're okay with people looking you're giving them a show because uh, my girl is walking around with purple hair she's showing she's showing legs she's giving them cleavage
0: (laughs) always like i i'm comfortable in my own skin one like and that's the thing it's yes like i i'm comfortable in my own skin and i love who i am and I, it's been a long time coming for me to become this person and now that I've become this person you better believe I'm about to bask in the glory of all that is me because I have <laughs> not always been this person <laughs> therefore I'm about to celebrate until I can't celebrate it no more you know so, so
1: do you think that, that you said you started to love yourself in Korea do you think that it came from being treated maliciously
0: um i think it it was a little you know it's so funny it 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 was a little bit of that being treated maliciously but it wasn't so much of the the prejudice or discrimination of that because i you know being in the states i get that a little bit in the states as well it was much more of dating out there to be fair um and learning you know how teach learning how i want to be treated and learning what i'm Okay with and what I'm not okay with and learning how to communicate that it was much more of the dating scene um, out there. I was dating a lot when I was there. Much there's a um, American Army military, the main military. There's Air Force, um, Marine Corps. There's uh, there's all branches. Most branches are out there, and so I did a lot of dating uh, within the military branches out there and just just learning how just you know what I'm saying? Interacting with people and being like, mm, I don't like that. Or mm, I like that. Or I don't like being treated like that. And I'm going to tell you why, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know how much I lacked that self love of myself until I was dating and allowing people to treat me a way that I didn't want to be treated. And I had to, I had to go and sit by myself and think about this. Like, Hey Britt, what's, what's going on? You know, like, why are you allowing this? You know, I had to go back and un- undo a lot of baggage that I was holding on to, um, within myself and it it started as I just got up one day and I just looked in that mirror and I was like, I love you. And maybe at the time I didn't believe it, but I continued to do that on a daily basis and I continued to work on myself through and through. And it was a difficult process because, you know, I went through a little bit of a depression, you know, sadness, a little bit of pain. And even though I'm going through this, you know, a lot of people on the outside never knew that because I'm always the one uplifting people. Always the one is just like, you got this, sis, you got this, do this, you know. I'm always going to be that person for other people, but I was going through my own internal ba- battle. And so, you know, I had to, I had to go through that to become this person. And I thought, and you would think, right, being in Korea and it being a little bit discriminatory and prejudiced, that that's the reason why I learned how to learn self, learn, learn to love myself. But, no, it was much more of the dating aspect of, you know, being treated a specific way and not being okay with it and, and figuring out why I was allowing myself to be treated this way and going forth trying to change that behavior.
1: So the way that you were treated by the men you were dating, I assume yeah. it was men Yes, that you were men. dating, um... In Korea was different from your experience from dating prior to that?
0: No, it wasn't. It was what what aided the the change was that I was in a whole different country and having a whole new experience and it's it's being okay so being at in the states and being at home, the way that I was being treated. Unfortunately, it's normalized in, cult- in our culture, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't see it as anything wrong when I was in the States because being surrounded by that, then that's okay because you don't see any different and you don't know any different. And so when I go abroad and I'm being treated that way and I'm being surrounded by different types of people um, and I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's a whole new experience for me and I'm look- I'm-, I'm taking a step back because everybody around me isn't being treated like that, right? I have friends from all different backgrounds, not just from the States. I have friends from South Africa. I have friends from England. You know, I have friends from New Zealand, from Australia, and they're not being treated like that. So I had to take a step back and be like, whoa, this isn't okay. You know, this isn't right. This isn't how I want to be treated. And and I feel like I knew that within myself all along, but it just, it took that new experience, that new environment, that new culture to bring it out of me, for me to become more self-aware of, aware of it and being like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You wake up, babe. (laughs) Like there's better. There's better.
1: So, um, tell me, so you said that working in Korea, you could do everything and not be there. And then in Vietnam, it's not really done ahead of time. You have to be there and then search, but you were able to, to get a contract easy in Korea, versus Vietnam what would you say the difference was there is that true like was it easier? yeah it's true
0: I think uh mainly because Korea has been doing ESL like uh, hiring teachers abroad for um more years than Vietnam I don't know the specifics but I know for a fact that Korea has been doing it longer than Vietnam and Vietnam has just recently opened its doors to a lot of different cultures and and allowing uh, teachers. Uh, people to come over and teach English within their country. So I think it's just more so of that, of it just being a more normalized thing in Korea versus Vietnam.
1: Because you said in Vietnam, people said that you should go back to your country where darker skinned people could get a job easier, that life wasn't easy for dark skinned people. They called your hair messy. They said it looked like you just got out of bed
0: yes well that was in china
1: (laughs) oh that was in china not Vietnam. yes
0: i was when i was looking for a job in china and one of the recruits and i didn't even come from a chinese person that came from um a white male from the states who told me that um so yeah and that and i have had a little bit of that here in vietnam but it has never come from vietnamese people it's always came from westernized
1: white people so there's that Thank you for clarifying the app. Um, <laughs> so you are the first, first in your family to have a bachelor's. So you are the first in your family to have a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have decided, as you are growing and knowing yourself, you have left. You said you gave your event business, your part of the event business to your partner. hmm And you're gonna continue your studies next year, right?
0: Um, yes and no. It's a it's it's a up and air ball game. So I got to Vietnam and um after my six months, I have started to love it here and I met someone great, um, one of my best friends, Angie. Uh, Angie the Diva, and she's a comedian here, and basically she was, uh, she was here a year before I was, I believe so, or something like that, and we met, and we hit it off, um, instantly was just like, yes, you're it, you're, you're my girl, um, but she was getting calls for doing events, and she brought me on with her, because um, it was just starting to up become a lot, so we went into business together, was doing some, doing events together, and things like that, and it's going well. And so, um, but my two year market and back in April, I went on a trip to Malaysia and I came back and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, it's time for me to go. And um, I let her know that and um, basically, you know, decided to give it all over to her and just being like, it's my time to go. Um, And yeah and she's doing it now full time. She's also a comedian, but she's also doing that full time. Um and I'm just working on my next steps of leaving Vietnam. So yeah. But it was it's an event planning business. Uh basically put on events all over Vietnam um from comedy to parties, speed dating, um a little bit of everything. Um it's quite nice. Um and yeah, it's really fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but had you had event experience before?
0: Yeah, I did a little bit of event planning back in the States and University um, for a wedding company um, just for a couple of months and also doing a few fashion shows and things like that um, in university as well. So, yeah, I had some event planning experience. Um, but my degrees in fashion, and as much as I love event planning, my baby will always be fashion. Although i teach, I was teaching in Korea, and I'm still teaching here. Um, I'm slowly working my way back toward that.
1: So, what is your dream with fashion,
0: <sighs> baby girl? I have no clue.
1: <laughs> That's fine
0: clue. I have not an clue. And I mean, anybody, you do,
1: though. I, okay, but you do, though. You have, like, some clue. You have some idea of something that you want to try.
0: Um, I, I, honestly, I just want to be engulfed in art. Like, I love fashion, and if it, if I, what I whatever I end up doing that makes me ultimately happy is fashion, then beautiful, but if it's something else, then it's something else. I've been, being here in Vietnam, I've dipped and dabbed in a lot of different things. Um, I, I did I've painted a friend's body before. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um currently planning a fashion show. Um I I'm doing a little bit of everything. I just I'm I'm an artist. I love art, right? So I have no clue what it is that just that that is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. If there's one thing that I want to do for the rest of my life, maybe there's multiple things, and maybe that's why I am dipping and dabbling into into different things. Maybe today it'll be me paint doing murals somewhere, and I'm in love with it. Then one day I fall out of love, and then I have to find something else. I have no clue what my dream is. I just honestly, I just want to be happy. I want to be at peace, and I just want to spread love. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Talk to me about Mike Williamson. You said that Mike Williamson oh, helped you to find your first superpower.
0: Yes. Okay. Mike Williamson is um, a mentor at my university. Um, he basically helped me write my first resume. Um, he's been, he was an advisor and also a professor over in the architecture building. But basically, I, you know, he would ask me questions and I would tell him, and he was just like, "You." He looked at me one day and he's like, "You got a superpower." I was like, what? I was like, I got a superpower. Okay, you're funny. He's like, no, no, no. You got a superpower and it's persuasion. And I was like, really? he was like, yeah, the way you light up when you talk to people and the way that you talk to them, it's it's very genuine and it's very honest and it's very open. And people love that. And and you could persuade you could persuade them with and in any way you would like them to be um whatever however you're feeling or whatever you're saying. He was like, but you have a superpower. And I was just like, that is so interesting. And unfortunately he passed away some years back. Um, But he was very, uh, just a very nice, gentle, genuinely wholesome human being um, that just, that sprinkled his light all over the world. And I appreciate him for that because I was one of those lucky humans that got to to get, receive some of that light. Um, And it, definitely made me into who I am today learning that I have a superpower where you know I have the art of persuasion and you know talking to people motivating people you know so
1: and tell me about what you did um around black vaginas there in Uh. Vietnam
0: Um, Again, yes, like I said, been dipping, dabbing into different art. Um, I performed in a sister play of the Vagina Monologues, um, the V Exclusive. So V Exclusive is um, part of the Vagina Monologues. And I performed a monologue um, about Black vaginas in America and how they built America and how they're not being treated respectfully. And it was my first time doing a monologue on stage. And it was the most, I was so nervous before I went on. But it was the most powerful speech I've ever given in my life. And I was shaking. And I was the last to go on because it was very much an ender piece. Because anybody that has that been to the Vagina Monologues or any V exclusive event knows that it's, it's about women's empowerment. And like what women are going through. Whether it's a, black, a woman crossing the border and she's dying. Or uh, one of my friends did a piece um, who's from Bangladesh about being married a child wife and then killing herself it's it's so intense and so my piece was that empowerment piece at the end and you know just I just went on stage memorized my monologue and I just gave it the full power that I could and it was this big relief of like ah that felt good that felt good to say that felt good to tell people and it was great um it was it was, it was a really good experience
1: your monologue was by Kimberly Crenshaw, correct?
0: Yes, it was by Kimberly Crenshaw.
1: Yes. Spreading a good <sighs> word. How was it how was it received? Like Oh, do you people think loved people it. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And that's the good thing about being here in Vietnam though. This this country, um, what I found is there are a lot of artists, a lot of artists here, our aspiring artists, are people just practicing it or whether they want to do something with it or not? There's so many artistically intelligent people here. And so, you know, when you have these events, you get those type of people in the room. And so, you know, at the halftime when we when we were doing the show, at the halfway mark in the show, people are outside crying. Like you could cut the you could cut the tension in the room because it's so deep and and intrinsic because it's reaching into your soul and it's grabbing your heart and it's just like do you feel this? This is what these people felt, you know? And so the ha- halftime coming through and, and it's right after the piece after my friend did that um, She's killed herself because she's married to this older man, and people are just outside like, I don't know if I should go home or if I should stay. <laughs> people are just going, going through the emotions. It was beautiful. I love it. I love it. Like, yes. Feel that. Do you feel that? Like, you know? Um, And then, you know, come back inside, and then... Er- the second half starts and I do my piece and people were loving it. Like a lot of my friends said they felt like they were getting an education lesson. They were like, you know, I've never knew half of this that happened. So for you to be telling us this and, and, you know, it didn't feel like you were saying, it didn't feel like you were reading a monologue. It felt like you were speaking from your own experience. And, and I didn't, in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm just like, you know, I went up there, I performed it. I I think I did great. I, I feel good about this, but they were just like, you were so movable like i i was i couldn't take my eyes away from you like you were making me angry you know before you even before i even know what you were angry about they felt the energy that i was giving them and that's all i wanted i just want people to you know have some understanding and some compassion for one another maybe the world would be a little better if we you know try to understand each other instead of judging each other you know um and but yeah, no, it was received very well, and people loved it, and standing ovation because it was the end piece, and we did RESPCT at the end um, with all the women and the men that that performed in the, the uh, play, so yeah, it was nice.
1: So I have seen you put that idea of trying to create mutual understanding and practice, so... Um, I rolled up on you in the middle of the street (laughs) in Penang, Malaysia, (laughs) and was like, Hey, girl, would you like to be my best friend? And you was like, Yes. And so we went to a club at some point uh, during your stay here, and this Russian chick reached up and touched your hair. And -hmm. you grabbed her hand and you said, You need to ask me first Mm -hmm. before you do that. You can Mm -hmm. touch it. I'll let you touch it, but you need to ask me first. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's like a lot of conversations being had around this and the sacredness of black women's hair and how Mm. people essentially like take away your humanity just by like invading space. That's not theirs to invade. Yes. But you just had a lot of grace in that moment. You had a lot of patience in that moment and educated while I don't know. I guess building a bridge. Yeah. If if that's if that's what you want (laughs) to (laughs) do.
0: Yeah. I. It's just I don't. I don't want to. Hate is such a hard thing to do, and to be angry and everything. Like angry is a natural emotion, you know, And, and. angry anger and sadness and all of those are natural emotions we all have them and it's you know it's what makes the beautiful days beautiful you know and it's important to have those and it's important to go do those and everything like that but i have a lot of patience for humans i always have um and so you know when it comes to situations like that and it hasn't always been like that there's been a few times previously where i've just been like almost curse somebody out, but I had to retract myself and being like, babe, you're in control of your own emotions. You are. Nobody else is. So, however you react is is how you are allowing them to get you to react. How about you retract and try to instead of facing that situation with wrath or or nastiness, facing a situation with love because maybe then she'll go and face that situation, a different situation with love because you've given her some type of love or understanding of it, you know, like paying it forward type of situation. She tried to touch my hair and I said, you got to ask first, you know, you can touch my hair, but you just ask, just give me the, give me the respect that I deserved of a human being and asking me, you know, can I touch your hair? Right? And so instead of, Reaching at her and being rude to her, that's not going to solve anything. That's not going to make the world a better place at all. What's going to make the world a better place is telling, is letting her know what her error was and that you understand why she feels the need to do it. You know, I understand why she wants to search my hair. It's gorgeous. (laughs) Come on, let's be real. It's beautiful. (laughs) But, (laughs) uh, but, I'm not gonna come at her with maliciousness. Instead, I'm just gonna be like, hey babes, you gotta ask. So next time she goes and she sees something beautiful on a black woman that maybe a black woman's hair she wanna touch, maybe she'll be like, Oh, it's so beautiful. Can I touch your hair? Maybe she'll ask. And maybe it still won't be well received, but that is still a step closer, a step better than just reaching out and touching somebody's hair, you know?
1: And that's all maybe. I maybe. Yes. Maybe. maybe. Right. <laughs> maybe. But it's better but than Yes. <laughs> With that said, you also told me that people go through the hating white people phase. Yes. You think that that's a necessary part of the process. Talk yes. about that.
0: Oh, in university, I went through that process. I went through that process because I was, uh, you know, growing up as a dark wom- darker woman and um, m- Colorism being a big thing in in the black community, African American community, and then you know going to university where you're surrounded you're multi you're surrounded by a lot of different cultures, um, and then you know a lot of what when I was in university a lot of what was happening was the Trayvon Martin case and and all of those things. So I was just heated like like white people this and why do they hate us and da like anger girl 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 like ah you know. Um, it and I I feel like and maybe and for me personally I can't speak for everybody I'm only speak for myself I did go through that phase of hating white people where I was just like you know I can't stand them and blah 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 da 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 um but I had to learn that that's not gonna solve anything babes because that's how we got to this point now is because they hate. Because of specific white people hating black people. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not going to, that's just going to keep this vicious cycle going. How about we change that? How about we learn to love them instead of hating them? Because hating them is not going to solve anything, you know? So I had to go through the process of hating them, which was a beautiful process. Um, and then I had to go through the process of trying to understand them and trying to um you know react in love instead of reacting in anger or in frustration you know and i still and nobody's perfect you know i still have my issues with it and i still have my you know i still have some growing to go through with all of it but i just i i just want people to get over these superficial things and just to be like, there's, there, we're so much more than what's on the outside of us. We're so much more, we're so much more complex and so much more interesting, you know, instead of all these superficial, outside materialistic type of things, you know.
1: I do know, actually. Um, <laughs> so that's that's, I'm interested in your approach to this because I've heard the same kind of sentiment about the putting love out there instead. And that I think would imply that love wasn't tried as a method before. I mean, have you seen mm. the 70s? <laughs> like have it's you seen true. the 70s? This is You know true. what I mean? Yeah. I think that I think that it's not like black people have put up a a resistance and it's a mutual hating. I think yeah. black people have tried to exist. Black people have tried to survive, and mm-hmm. black people have tried to thrive regardless of how white people feel about them or mm-hmm. any other race because you know imperialism uh whenever white people's attitudes carry over to these other countries and people view us in a certain kind of way as well because of how we are marketed yeah. largely due to being filtered through that white lens so so I don't, I don't think personally that yeah. it's a lack of love. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so, but what I what see do you, from what you, do you I'll, I'll tell you just one second. What mm-hmm. I see from you is that you want peace in your mind and yes. you are determining how you're going to maintain that peace. And yeah. so by not letting people agitate you with their ignorance, you are keeping your peace. That is what's most important to you. So it's yeah. it's again I think it's more about you just loving yourself. Yes. They, so, they they receive that love as a benefit because you have calmed it, because you have confronted it, because you are having that conversation constantly with yourself inside your head about what it means to be a an empowered person what it means to be evolving what it means to be brittany what you want your mm. life to look like that mm. people are meeting you at the place where you are and that place is you just want to have a good time
0: mm-hmm.
1: you want to enjoy the experiences that you're having that's what that's what i'm thinking okay is that fair
0: that's fair <laughs> no that's fair hey i'm all, I'm all ears babe I love, like I'm always about hearing different perspectives and, you know, challenging my own perspective and, you know, taking this perspective right here and mixing it with something else. I, I hear you and I, I 100% agree with that as well. Um It is about, cause it's, I mean, to be real, to be fair, to be real, this is my world and everybody else is living in it just as is your world and everybody else is living in it. So how I want to perceive the world and how I want the world Right, Me or how I want to go throughout my life is how I have to be to other people. I have to be to myself, you know, like if I want happiness and I I have to be given that to myself or if I want love, I have to give it to myself. If I, if I want all these things in this world, whatever they may be, I have to love myself. I have to give them to myself because only then can I, you know, give it back out to the world or receive it from someone else. You know, it it's it's true. It's super it's so true. It's very much true. Yeah. And that's just how I try to go through life, you know, like because I I I don't want no problems with nobody, you know. I just I just wanna be Lottie <laughs> <la-di-di. laughs> I just wanna be Lottie di Brittany,
1: unicorn, floating amongst human beings, you know, living my best life. But that is exactly what you've created. Like mm-hmm. like you talked about um, the type of people that you hang out with in, in yeah. Saigon. Uh-huh. So you had that six months and you were like, I'm about this piece, this sucks, I don't like it. Yeah. And you switched all of that around and you talk about people like they are family. You you say that um you don't have time to be around judgmental people. So you have been no. able to find people that see you and who give you the kind of experience and the kind of atmosphere that you enjoy being in the most.
0: Oh yeah. It's, oh man, I, it's so interesting because there's such a, um, such a large, large group of us here that I'm around. Um, I got, I got into this group, um, I, I'm associated with this group and I do some, a little bit of things for them every now and again, but they call Gender Funk and it's an LGBTQ group. Um, and they... And I found myself amongst them, and it's you know there's all people on all on all the spectrum: gay, straight, pansexual, asexual, a little bit of everybody. But they, all of them, just let me be me. We all allow each other to be whoever we want to be, and there's not a, there's not that that judgment of oh girl why are oh 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 it's, it's none of that it's it's. It's just this open space for love, you know what I'm saying, and respect, and none of the oh, I gotta do better than he or she or there's a competition no, it's just it's oh it's just this it's this overwhelming feeling of just i don't even know how to put it into words it's just and there's so and it's so crazy because the crazy thing about it is is there's so so many of us there's so many of us but anytime we're we're together and we're talking and we could be talking about anything under the sun there is, everything is met with love everything is met with love whether we're being shady to each other or whether we're consoling our friend because she's crying everything is met with love everything it's not mm-hmm. there's there's no time for this this nasty behavior you know what I'm saying it's it's all about, you know, are you okay? Are you going to get through what you need to get through? I'm here for you if you need me to be here for you. And I I could just be here. You know, it's it's just that nice community of people who just let you be yourself. And whoever that is, as long as you're not hurting anybody, you know what I'm saying? As long as you're not hurting anybody or hurting yourself, then babes, live your best life. Because I'm here for you. You know? Um and so that's what that's what makes it so beautiful. And I've never met a, I've never met so many people in such a large group that have this type of that makes me feel that make that makes me feel this way. And so to come here and to experience that it's it just it gives the world a better outlook. You know, it makes the world feel a little bit more I don't know. How to put, it makes the world feel a little bit more closer. You know? Um and it's yeah. So yeah. It's it's quite nice.
1: Do you find that it is be vulnerable with this group? You were talking about having has like you were hesitant to be vulnerable. Vulnerability was something you had a difficult time with.
0: Oh yeah. Um um growing up in um growing up and having those issues yeah definitely background issues that I'm not going to get into right now but learning how to be vulnerable and um allowing myself to take that wall down or take that shield off my heart and just bearing all um was very tough for me and I've learned to I've learned to just let that go you know being within this group I've I'm very much vulnerable it's easy for me to be vulnerable Um, within this group because they just you know they give me that space and so who am I not to take up that space you know Um, just because I've learned how to be vulnerable because it was a learned behavior for me I didn't know how to be a vulnerable human because of previous experiences and things like that and I've just built myself up so much that I had to slowly take those blocks down and and just let go and stop being so angry and stop being so judgmental and learning that the world is not as black as white as I want it to be, so.
1: Can you talk a little bit about um, what has helped to keep you grounded as you've been trying to figure everything out, switching jobs, switching countries, trying to move Uh, on into this next phase?
0: Meditating, meditating and always holding on because one of my life mottos is will always be everything's going to be okay. Everything will always be okay. As tragic and messed up it may be, it will always be okay. Um, and that's something that I always hold close to myself because it always ends up being okay. And I might be going through a whole meltdown, a whole little, you know, Tantrum like this. My life is over. But at the end of the day, I know it's going to be okay. Um, But meditating, um, just taking taking those days for myself without seeing any human. I'm a highly social person. I love talking to people. I draw my energy from people. Um, But there are also times that I do need that balance and I do need that time to be alone and not hear or see or smell another human. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, learning how, basically, learn how to balance. Um, because I'm one of those people that are, um, if there's a lot of people doing one thing, I'm slow to do it, and then I, it's it's so weird for me because I hit, I do a I do a, a hump, I do a hill type of thing where I'm slow to get to to do those things, and then I do it all the time, and then I I find this balance, and I just. I find the balance within the two and I do, I I stay within that balance. Um, So yeah, definitely learning how to find my own, my own space and my own corner Um, because I've recently, back in April, I moved in with two of my great friends and it's been some years since I've lived with, other people and this is different because these are two close friends so we see each other all the time and every day and it was getting too much for me and I had to sit them down and I had to communicate uh with them that I was just like you know I just need my one day where you know I'm just by myself in my room there's no knocks there's no I don't you know I'm just alone in my solitude and they completely understand because they're wonderful humans and they completely got it and they completely understood and they were like yeah we get it like you need everybody needs those days and it just, all it was was just, it was just me needing to communicate that. That's all it was, was just me needing to communicate that. But I, I couldn't figure out why I was feeling so, you know. So, like, having anxiety and everything like that, and it was just me needing some time to, to recuperate and just, you know, mellow myself out <laughs> by myself.
1: Um. Do you have any different self-care practices, things that you do to, like, help you feel your best?
0: Um, I definitely do, like, mirror mantras. <laughs> My friends, they're always laughing at me <laughs> because I'm one of those people that will be in the mirror, you know, having a whole little twerk session in the mirror by myself, or just talking to myself, about, you know, the qualities that, I, you know, just being grateful for things and being telling myself what I'm grateful for and just giving love to myself. Um, I go out to the movies by myself. I'll go have dinner by myself. I'll go travel and lay on somebody's beach by myself. <laughs> These are all things that I need um, for my self-care. Um, but yeah, all those things. Just... A lot of learning how to be alone and uh, because I do I do quite enjoy being alone, but I do quite enjoy being around people as well um, and just creating that balance.
1: Are there any um, hobbies or interests that you have that aren't about making money?
0: Art always, always and forever is art. Um, I love live music. I will go my my best friend for my birthday took me to see some live music, and I was living my like in awe the complete time um any type of art that I can go, whether it's theater, whether it's orchestra, whether it's um, going to an exhibition um all things art is probably one of my favorite hobbies. I love going to museums i I love you know going to go see a play or or anything like that, so yeah.
1: Um, and then when you're traveling, is there like a certain kind of way that you like to explore a new place? Like, does it make you feel like you know somewhere? Um, some things that you do,
0: um, not really. I, not really, and it's not to be fair, it's not something that I really have paid attention to, but I don't think so. I don't think there's really much of a pattern. I usually, whenever I'm going to go. Live somewhere it's never I never go visit first. I always just go and live <laughs> instead of visiting. I'm not that i don't know I'm not that type of person, but it's just not me um but usually I'll go you know and do some exploring and things like that um but there's I don't think there's any type of pattern for me whenever i, I um i wherever i so as of right now i'm gonna go to live somewhere else. Uh, long-term, but I always, you know, travel wherever I'm living. I'll go and travel to different countries that are in the vicinity and things like that. So, but there's no pattern to the way that I, that I do it. I kind of just go, to be fair, I just go with the flow and whatever happens happens and i go, i take it from there.
1: You like to also uh, get a bit of the history of the place to put it in context, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Museums is another part of it. Just going to museums and reading up on the history and how you know countries got to the point to where they are and things like that.
1: hmm So um, when you travel, you're not you tend to base yourself in a place and then um, kind of explore from that base. So you don't really like live out of a backpack and like move every few weeks or whatever.
0: No. And it's an experience that I would like to have, which I might end up doing sometime soon. But um, but as of right now, no, I go and base myself there, you know, work and then travel out maybe on the weekends or vacation times and things like that to the country surrounding, wherever I'm living, whatever country I'm currently living in. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So you are a huge music head, right?
0: I do like music. <laughs> I, do love, I love music. <laughs>
1: So are there any song, lyrics, or is there a poem that is really speaking to you right now?
0: Um, definitely Nina Simone, Feeling Good. That's been my anthem for some years now. And Kid Cudi, Pursuit of Happiness.
1: What about, the, what about those two songs Like, brings you alive? What connects for you?
0: Um, for Nina Simone, it, happened, it was a couple of years back. Um, I've always admired the song, but it was a couple of years back where I was going when I had was he hitting the peak of my when I, one of my growth periods, and I remember listening to that song and being like, "Oh, the, like if I felt good, and it was just ringing her voice and those notes she was hitting those keys just." was ringing to the to parts of my soul that I just can't explain. That's usually how I go with music is how it makes me feel like within myself. Um, mm-hmm. And Pursuit of Happiness is just one of those songs that every single thing that he is saying in that song is ringing true. Like All of us are on the Pursuit of Happiness and it's, it's just like, it's the reality of it. You know what I'm saying? Like We're all looking for happiness and everything that we want is not always gonna be glitz and glamor. It's not gonna be gold, but we're gonna be okay. We're all gonna be okay once we get it. We're gonna be good in that, and it's literally my life motto. Everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna yeah. be okay. So,
1: well, thank you, Boo Bear. I really appreciate you taking You're the time. You're
0: welcome. Thank you for chatting it up.
1: Us. Thank you for sharing so openly, so freely
0: always I I, I love doing it. I I thank you for giving me a platform to speak about my life so open so freely this is the first time I ever did anything like this oh really yeah this is
1: (laughs) oh one more thing let me ask is there is there any way that listeners can support you and your work Uh, do you have a website or do you have a project you're working on that you would love some eyes on
0: I wish I would. No, nothing as of now. I'm just, you know, got a blindfold on in the dark looking for the the light right now. So (laughs) um, not really. Um, I'm not doing anything crazy. If I was, then, of course, I put it out there, but not as of right now.
1: That's fine. If people want to connect with you, where can they best connect with you?
0: on Facebook, Brittany Plummer. Brittany, spelled like Brittany Spears, B-R-I-T-N-E-Y, Plummer, P-L-U-M-M-E-R.
1: Work. Well, thank you again, Brittany. I really appreciate it.
0: You take care of yourself
1: and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, you too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, babes. Speak soon. Um. Barum dum ah um, barum.
0: Mm.